That song is becoming more and more a favorite of mine. That one phrase uh, is it something to the effect, with every breath I want to follow Jesus. What a statement that is. When you sang that this morning, did you mean it? Those are powerful words. I appreciate that song. Um, I got my pen out. That means I'm going to put tally marks on this page uh, when I ask these questions. In the last week, if you haven't raised your hand in some previous uh, week, but this week, this past week, you read through the book of Daniel. Uh, let me see if anyone's done that. I see one, two, up there, up there, up there, three, four, five. That's super. 37. That's almost halfway. We want 75. So if you weren't one of the 35 so far, I've got homework for you this week. Read through the book of Daniel. You will love it. It's a good, it's a good thing to do. Okay, the second thing I asked you to consider doing is to go through each chapter, there's 12 of them, and come up with one word to describe each of those chapters. And we've had six people do that already. Anybody else this morning want to share with us? All right, we got one up in the balcony. Keisha. Nice. Good. I like that big word at the end. That's a great word. Okay, somebody else. Not yet, right? Not yet. Don't do it during the sermon. You've got to do it at home or someplace else. All right, that's seven so far. We're moving on. Okay, I've also asked you consider memorizing five Bible verses from the book of Daniel. Anyone ready to share verses with us today? This one's a harder sell, I know. <laughs> so far we've had two. Can we do better than that, maybe? Sort of? Okay, I'm going to encourage you. These things would be useful for all of us to do. In one way or in another, to invest some time in the book of Daniel during this next week. Uh, you will be encouraged by it, and by your participation, you will encourage others too. And still, I recommend if... If you have little ones in the house and they're just not reading as fast as maybe you do, read to them. We're counting for every child you got if they sit in the room, all right? We won't count pets, all right? So reading to your dog doesn't count for two. Uh, but uh, we would love for you to read the book of Daniel. Invest in it. Give a title for every chapter. Memorize a few of the verses. You have a lot to choose from. All I'm asking is for five. And that's what we can profit from if you will invest a little time in that this week. Okay, uncompromising is the whole theme of our study here. A resolution to follow and obey God regardless of the consequences living in a pagan world. Daniel lived there. Folks, you do too. And that's why this is really applicable to us in our day and age. Uh, the simple three words, I summed it all up. Last week I gave it to you. Trust God regardless. 
And we're going to talk more about that today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is opened up in front of us. We're going to study from this wonderful book called Daniel. We have an example set before us of a man who did pray and prayed earnestly. And we can learn a lot from this. And I pray that you might do your work in our hearts today as we go through this particular part of the chapter. Um, show us, Lord, that we all have room for us to grow closer to you. Uh, may our faith increase. Um, may you meet those needs, really, that our hungry hearts are calling for. Not so much for answers for what we need, but that we need to be near you. And I pray today you might work in our hearts in a very special way. Move us closer to the throne, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we started on Daniel 2, and I'm going to ask you to join me there. Chapter 2, starting in verse 17. We're going to handle 17 through 23, about five or six verses right there. Um, but this is follow-up from last week to some degree, because uh, last week the storyline led us to the time when Daniel was calling on Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to join him in prayer. That was the last thing we covered in chapter number 2, right up there at verse number 16. Uh, no, 17. Uh, Daniel went into his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. This is what they prayed for. Today we're going to finish that narrative that we started last week in our text. We are going to omit at this time what the dream was and what it means. That's coming up. All right, that's part of it too. But I, I want to put our primary focus today on Daniel's resolve to trust God regardless. That's what sets before us. And I don't want the, the prophecy to overwhelm us and we miss out on the real rich nuggets here of learning about dependence. I would call it that. Uh, this is not the first time Daniel depended upon God to provide for him. Even when it was easier to compromise, it was easier to follow his peers, it was easier to stay lost in the crowd, all those things were potentials, and all that would have been easy. But Daniel is a consistent man, and I like that especially about him. So consistent that even later, his enemies will count on his consistency in prayer to get him into a lion's den. Wouldn't you love somebody to know how consistent you are in prayer? <laughs> Not to boast or anything like that, but what if that was the first thought they had of you? Oh, there are people who pray, and they pray all the time. Let's look at our text today, just a quick review to start off with. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Chapter 2 started with the wise men that belonged to him, part of his, uh, his crew that worked in the, in the courtroom there, they could not tell him his dream or what it meant. They had no idea. That became a challenge. What it meant might have been easy. They could have made up anything. He wanted them to say what it was and what it meant. And because they could not do that, he became angry. And he sentenced them all to die. And you may say, wow, this guy is pretty you know, uh, extreme, isn't he? 
But here's his point, and I think it makes sense. If you can't tell me the past, how can you possibly tell me the future? And that's all he asked. Tell me something that's happened. Tell me it's already happened. The dream's already happened. Tell me that, and then I believe that you can tell me the future. They couldn't even do that. So Daniel was listed among those who were expecting a visit from the executioner. That's just reality. Daniel asked the king for time. He asked his friends to pray. That's where we pick it up here in verse 17. I just read that to you. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, about this matter, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. We're going to stop right there in our story as we walk through what you just read. Trust God regardless. Trust God regardless. It's very important that we point out to you that Daniel trusted God before he had an answer to his prayer. Did you hear it? Before he had an answer to his prayer. I'm, I'm speaking to a group of people here that are known as praying people. We've prayed about a lot of things over the years, haven't we? We've seen a lot of answers. Many of you sitting here today is an answer to prayer and what the Lord has done in your life and worked in, in difficult matters. Prayer, we know, is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Prayer is saying to God, I have a problem. I cannot solve it. More times than not, if we could solve it, we wouldn't ask, would we? But I have a problem and I cannot solve it. I know you can solve it. And I humbly ask, will you solve it? With that kind of a simple diagram of what prayer looks like, it really is an issue of dependence. Because now you're waiting for God to answer. We know it can be yes or no. It could be maybe. It could be a wait. We don't know. Daniel's solution in his biggest need at this moment in his life was to pray. It was to pray. What do you do when the need is so urgent? I hope prayer is our first option, that we go there. I want to have you leave a bookmark here for a minute and go to the book of James with me for a second. And some of you said, oh no, he's going to hit us with that James passage. Yes, I am. Just so you know. James chapter number one. Just being transparent here. It's coming. This is really a rich, rich passage. So I want you there with me as we dive into the book of James. Just for a few minutes. In chapter 1, verse 2. 
Some of the hardest words you're going to ever read, especially if you're going through something very tough. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith, if you're an underliner, that's where you start. <laughs> the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. That's surrender, isn't it? Let it happen so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Just stop right there. It is the things that God places in your life that causes your faith to increase. That's a summary of what you just read. Often we pray that God will take these trials out of our life, don't we? Oh, pray that this won't happen. Pray that that won't happen. Pray that this goes away. Pray that that goes away. We do that all the time. We're, we're kind of like the school kids who might enjoy the class, but we don't want the quiz. And I'm afraid I qualify for that, too. Who likes hard things? Trials are hard. They're hard. Especially if your life is on the line. <laughs> Daniel... He didn't go out and make the trouble that he was in. He wasn't praying for the trouble that he was in. And he certainly didn't complain to God that somehow God no longer liked him and must be punishing him. You've never prayed that way, have you? Don't say it. Warren Wearsby wrote a book years ago called Bumps Are What You Climb On. Bumps are what you climb on. Now, I heard that title before, and I thought, I couldn't remember where it came from. I didn't remember who wrote it. So I thought, well, if you Google that, you're going to find it, right? So I Googled in uh, the phrase, uh, bumps are what you grow on, and I got all these recommendations on how to deal with itchy spots and lumps on your skin and all those things related to it. And I said, well, that's not what I was looking for. But Wearsby title does say it very nicely. Bumps are what you climb on. When we see in our path those obstacles, when we see those things, these things that are preventing us from doing what we need to do, when we see those detours off our happy little Christian life, and we say, what's, what's going on here? To climb over those gives exercise. That builds faith. It builds our strength. It encourages us when there's success. It lifts up higher. We get better view of what's going on. We also become better at helping other people because we've seen it, we've been there, and we understand. Those things are all very valuable. But what if that bump is now a mountain and it's in the way? Oh, I know you're thinking Jesus said what? If you had faith like a mustard seed, just tell the mountain, just chuck it into the ocean, right? What if it's not moved? What if it can't be climbed? What if there is no resolution? Trust God regardless. Trust God regardless. James says in verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, he's still talking about prayer, by the way. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, he doesn't say, if any of you lacks answers. He does not say, if any of you lacks solutions. Or if any of you lacks success. He doesn't say that. He says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you go toward the end of this book, James chapter 5, verse 16, he says the effective I like fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, accomplishes much. And there might be some who would sit and look at that statement and say, that's not so encouraging to me. That sounds a little unfair. That sounds a little unrealistic. Why must I be righteous to get answers to my prayers? Some people might be wrestling with this. Because they might be asking, why does God put the burden on me to be righteous if he's going to answer prayer? Why do I have to do that? Why doesn't he just answer my prayer and then I will be righteous? You know what you're doing? You're bargaining. You're bargaining. If you think along that line. I don't know how many times I've seen this in my ministry where more times than not it happened in the nature of a wedding. I would have a couple come in, don't even really know them. They just said, if we, we like your church, we like the way it looks, we want to have our wedding here. What do you think? We're going to do this. And by the way, they would say, um, this is what we do. You do our wedding here, and we'll come in, and we'll be regular in your church, and we're going to help your church out so much, and you can count on us for everything. And do you know how that goes over? It doesn't. But they barter. They barter for the opportunity to have a wedding done. How much more do we do that in prayer, honestly? We say, well, I, I don't really measure up with this righteous thing, God. Can you just lower that standard just a little bit so I can get in there? Is God unfair to expect us to be righteous? Uh-huh. We're going to ask that question again in a few minutes. Consider Daniel. He didn't consult books. He didn't consult the stars and the moon. He didn't go to the sun to figure this out. He didn't even tell Nebuchadnezzar that his request was impossible. He did not say that like the others did. Daniel was convinced that God could do something about this. He didn't know what it would be. His, if his prayers were not answered, that would have been the end of the story. That's how simple it was. Daniel did not have plan two. There was no backup. There was no what ifs. And then here's our second idea. Daniel didn't operate that way. His prayer wasn't his last resort either. It wasn't because his usual resources had failed him. He did not bargain with God. He didn't make offers that he would be a better man or that he would join the choir. 
or that he would donate large sums of money if only God would answer. He didn't do all that. Let it just be simply said. Daniel didn't polish up his righteousness to get God's answers. The righteous behavior of Daniel was already the behavior of Daniel. And I want to make this point to us because, and notice I say us. I'm not pointing a finger, except that if I do, it's four of them back at me. This is very important to understand. Daniel didn't think by doing the right thing, somehow God owed it to him. Here's where we have our glitches in prayer. Sometimes we say, well, God, I don't measure up to this righteous thing. I want to ask you a simple question. Why don't you? We could use that excuse all day long, but the simple thing is, we're called to be righteous people. We're called to be holy people. And if you're saying, well, I don't measure up to that, I think we better look in the mirror hard and long and ask why not. But the second thing is, if I am being righteous only because I want God to answer my prayers, then I also have the wrong motive too. Because then we're thinking more of the answer than we are about our relationship with him. Being righteous in the context that James wrote this, you know I'm still in James, by the way. In James' statement, it's an adjective. Do you know what that is in grammar? An adjective is a word that describes the quality or the state of the noun it is referring to. And if somebody calls you righteous, is that your quality? Is that your state? Not, I'm going to try to figure out how to make that work. <laughs> but it's something already true of you. Something already true of you. This is how it plays out. Being a teacher, I've seen this. Being a student, I've done it. You're sitting in your lectures. You know that you will have a final exam at the end of the course in 12 weeks. When do you study? Uh, I know. When do we study? Oh, it's that night before. You've had 12 weeks. Oh, I know. We do that, don't we? Here's the funny thing. How many times, I'm just saying these things, but how many times do we try to polish up our righteousness because the trial is now here? Guess what's driving you? Circumstances. Not a relationship. Not a relationship. I'm stomping on toes, I'm afraid. But that's what Daniel was. He was a righteous man. It's not what he chose to do because the need was an emergency. Daniel was like this. He was consistent like this. Righteousness is not meant to be put on only when trials come upon you. In the case of Daniel, he wasn't rushing around making up for being compromising so that he can have an audience with God. He was a man who was already uncompromising in all he did. I said that before you because what does it say? His prayer, which by the way, he must have been very comfortable with. This was a simple prayer. This is what he asked for in Daniel chapter number 2, that God would give them compassion. We don't know any other words to that prayer. 
But that says it all. That God would have compassion. That God would have compassion. If God were to answer Daniel, it was not because he owed anything to Daniel for taking some uncompromising stand in the midst of Babylon. It was not based on Daniel's prayer. It was not based on Daniel's diet. It was not based on Daniel's commitment to the law. Now, Daniel did all these, and we know that's true, and did it impressively. But he counted on God's mercy only. That's what he asked. God, have mercy. Only meet our need. He didn't bargain with God. He trusted him regardless. Back to the book of Daniel. Back to the book of Daniel. Ezekiel. I should have left my bookmark. I did. Okay. Daniel. Verse number 19. That night, God answered. God answered. What if God didn't answer that night? Like I said, there might not have been another one. The executioner's already knocked on the door once. He'll be back. But that night, God answered. Then the mystery, verse 19, was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The answer was a lot more than just information. It was relief. It was relief. The answer was life. It said Daniel in a good position before an ungodly king. It saved the lives of all the other wise men, too. It's interesting to me how when God answers prayer for an individual, how it can affect so many other people, too. I know sin does that. Sin of one can affect a lot of people. God answers prayer to one, and that could affect a lot of people, too. What a joy it must have been for Daniel to report to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah that God had answered their prayers. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? What a, a moment it must have been when he turned to that executioner and said, God answered the prayer. How it must have been interesting and thrilling to walk into the king's presence and declare, God has granted the king's request. God has answered the prayer. Several affected by this answer. Don't you love to report answered prayer? Everyone could rejoice with you. We're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice, right? That's a great thing to do. We do that on our Wednesday night group. We get together and we put praises as well as prayers requests. And the Lord has answered so many things that we rejoice in that. But here's what we see. I want to show you something. Starting in verse 20, Daniel's response to all this was true to his character. Before he went and talked to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, before he talked to the executioner, before he talked to the king, he talked to God. And what we have here is that God is praised. First on his agenda, God is praised. He blessed the God of heaven. Watch the prayer. I love it. I just love this prayer. It's all praise, folks. It is a prayer that gets highly theological, I know, and yet it over, 
glows with gratitude. This is a prayer we ought to think about. We ought to memorize. We ought to, to incorporate in the way we talk to our God. This is what Daniel said in verse 20. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to the men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Who's getting the attention here? I love that. He goes on, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. Now, don't misunderstand Daniel here. His desire was not to become rich and famous and dwell in the upper echelons of the Babylonian world. That's not his desire. Matter of fact, this is a very humble man. He doesn't say, my God, as much as he says, the God of my fathers. And when you get to chapter 9, when he talks about the sins of the people, he says, they're my sins. <laughs> my sins have brought this on us too. He's a very humble man in this. And he's not looking for the rewards that the world can give. He says, I only want God, what God gives me. He has given me wisdom and power. That's his source. If you should see him, write it out on a paper. There's a footnote there. Look at the bottom. It says, this is from God. That's what he marked. I didn't create it. I don't have it in me. God gave it to me. For now you have made known to me what was requested of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Quite honestly, the last two phrases of verse 23... Daniel could have prayed that same prayer if those two last phrases were omitted as well. That's the kind of praise he gave to God. The fact that God answered his prayers, well, that's just added to the end, and it's like, wow, this is terrific. But God got the praise all the way through anyway, because that's his character. Even if there was no answer from God he would have still been able to pray that prayer. Even if his life was forfeit to the king, he could have still prayed that prayer. God is God regardless. Regardless. And God is to be trusted regardless. We just happen to know that there's a happy ending to this story. That makes us more comfortable as we read it. We, we can settle in on that and say, yeah, this was great. It was intense, but it was solved, so we're good. But very likely, as I think this through, and, and the folks I've got to talk with this even this past week, you may be going through something right now that might not have an ending in view, or maybe not an ending you like. Maybe you don't have answers. Maybe you sit and wait too. 
You don't know what might come of this or that. You, you don't know what. You're, you're, you're told maybe to simply stay where you are and go through whatever that is. You may have to trust God for the provisions within the problem that he might not take the problem out. In a recent conversation I had with someone, they brought up the fact that the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Unknown as to what that exactly was, we debate that all the time, but we do know that Paul earnestly prayed that God would take it away from him, remove it. No doubt that would have made his life easier. It would have made ministry perhaps more available to him. We don't know what it was. I'm sure his motives are very unselfish too. And yet when I read 2 Corinthians 12, 8, this is what God said. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that, he might, that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't predict how God will answer prayers. Don't come to me and ask me that. That's not my department, okay? I can't tell you that. But I do know this. His ways are higher than our ways. And I do know that his ways are better than our ways. <laughs> In a list of God's attributes, we know him to be all-powerful, right? We know him to be all-knowing, correct? We know him to be ever-present. Isn't that a joy? We know him to be holy, we know him to be true. We know him to be faithful. We also know that he's good. He is kind. He is loving. Dwelling on those things for a while, and your prayers will start to take a different view. It's no longer about me. It's about him and why I trust him. That's what you just read from Daniel's pen. It's about him and why I trust him. Why I trust him. Because God is God, regardless. And God is to be trusted, regardless. Do you need to hear that today? Working in your heart? Boy, this Daniel has a lot to teach us, doesn't he? These are good things for all of us. I know it is. And maybe you're challenged with something and you need to talk to the Lord about it and you've been trying to solve it with plan two and three and four and five and six and you forgot one. You forgot to pray. Talk to him about that. He knows. He's been waiting. I just wonder sometimes when he's looking down and saying, wow, look at him go. When are they coming my way? Maybe you, uh, you've given up. He said, well, he didn't answer my request. He didn't take it away. Whatever it is, that problem, it, it just didn't go away. When are you going to just stop and say, I'll, re I'll rest in this, Lord. I'll trust you in this. Your provisions are going to meet the need. I don't know tomorrow, but you do. Can you do that?
Maybe you've got somebody you need to talk to that they need that ministry in their life. They've been frustrated with things. They've been hit with hard things. Can you talk to them? Can you talk to them? This is something that we learn so that we can share. This is the work God does in our hearts so that we can comfort those with the comfort by which we've been comforted in Christ. See, this isn't for you and for me only. This is for those who also are part of our lives, part of our relationships, part of our experiences. We've got ministry to do, folks. Prayer is a big thing. It's not little. It's not tack on at the end, is it? It's very important that we learn these principles. So I'm going to leave that part right in your lap, okay? You talk to the Lord about it. Whatever part of that whole message hits you right in the heart, talk to him about it. Because I want to be right with him, don't you? I want to learn this prayer thing, don't you? And do it the way that honors his name. Honors his name. We've got much to learn. Heavenly Father, help us with this. May this not just be a, a sermon covered and we move on because there's more exciting parts of this book to get to. But may we take this to heart today to think about what you have done in our lives to bring us closer to you, to trust you more. Regardless, there's some things here that are hard to say, Lord. There are folks here that are struggling with things that are way too big for our words. You know the broken heart. You know the struggle. You know the burden. You know the weariness it brings. You know how so often when we compare ourselves with other people, we feel like we fall so short. We think that maybe you're just blessing them and not ourselves. Oh, we've got all kinds of views on this when we look at anything but you. Lord, readjust our focus today. Set our eyes on things above. Let us trust in the Lord with all our heart. Not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and trust him to lead our paths. Do your work, Lord, however you see fit today in the lives of the folks here in this room and those on Zoom as well. And we'll praise you, Lord. We're ready to praise you because of who you are because of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.